We're going to start off a new series, and um, I think it's going to be a great series for us post-Easter, um, knowing in the weeks to come, we'll have some, we'll have some larger crowds too coming uh, for, for Mother's Day, for baby's education, all the stuff, baptism, we've got large crowds, and so um, it's going to be a good one, because I think it's good for all of us, whether you have been saved for a long time, or maybe you were one who last week checked the box for the first time, or rededicated your life. Um, this is going to be a good series to keep us grounded in our faith and who, who we follow and why we follow and what we follow. Um, we're going to talk about this book, Galatians. For those of you who don't know, um, the Galatians was written as it was two-thirds of the New Testament by, by a guy named Paul. You'll hear him called Apostle Paul. Um, Apostle is really just a fancy word for church planner, that he would go around and help get these churches started and then kind of oversee them. And the way he kept communication with them back in that day was he would write them letters. And that's what gives us the book of Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians, First and Second. All these books that, that Paul wrote were letters to the church in that city. In this case, it was the church of, of Galatia. What we know is the book of Galatians. Um, and to guide them, to keep them following truth, and to keep them in an um, you'll hear pastors sometimes use this fancy word called doctrine. Doctrine just means are you, the foundations of what we believe. And see, Paul would go in and he would set these churches up to have good doctrine. But he had to write them these letters because actually Galatians and a lot of the books he wrote to churches are corrective books, kind of kicking the pants. Like you did good for a while, but you blew it. You did good here, but you need to be careful here. But the big takeaway is that we understand that it's all about taking those one steps, moving forward. We see, Paul had a problem. Paul's problem was this. There were a lot of Jews who believed in Jesus. But some of them, not all of them, were kind of know-it-alls. And they could not move to Jesus, and they brought former traditions with them. It would be no different than for us. If maybe last week you were one who, who checked B and you started a new life or maybe you're just getting your life kind of back right and you were doing stuff you know you probably shouldn't be. Now you met Jesus and he's forgiven you of your sin, but you got to stop doing what you're doing, right? Now there's grace and we repent and Bob, get, I mean, Bob I'm looking at Bob. I had a long week. My brain is fried and I haven't recovered from last week. So good morning, Bob. <laughs> um, but we, we bring it with us. And that's really what the Jews did. So the Jews would come in behind Paul and, and come to these new Christians and tell them, okay, yeah, you need to believe on Jesus, but what you're doing is wrong. And Paul says, hey, wait, you're, you're letting these people come in and distract you with this other gospel a different gospel. And Paul would tell the church, no, no, don't listen to them. And they, everywhere they would go, Paul would go, they would sneak in behind him and begin to correct people and begin to tell them, hey, you can get saved with Jesus, but you need to do this other stuff. So look at this in Galatians chapter 1. And we're going to pull nuggets from each week from, I'm not going to do verse by verse, but pull something from each chapter over the next several weeks and just go through the book of Galatians together. This will be, if you're wondering, probably a little more teachy than I normally am. Um, but I think it's good for our foundation. It's good to keep us all going the same direction. But look what Paul writes. 
It says, this is a letter from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus himself and by God, God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. So that's what he's going to share. In the next verse, it says, that may God the our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, give you peace. Just as he gave a life for our sins and just as God our Father had planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. What we celebrated last week and Jesus coming. And Paul had instilled this. Now look at this in verse 6. Paul says, I even titled the message this. Paul says, I am shocked. Some versions say, uh, use other descriptions, but it was basically, he was like, what happened? I leave and you're doing good. Anybody ever done that with your kids? Like you leave them and they're playing in the room and they're happy and you come back and they like, they're at each other's throats and like, y'all were just doing good. What happened? And they just decided to, to change directions. Paul says, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself in the mercy of Christ. You are following a different way. Some versions say a different gospel, a different message that pretends to be the good news. You see, now most of chapter one is, is Paul telling his story about how he, how he met Jesus and, and how his life. But I want you to be, um, again, new in faith or been around a while. Let's, I want you to be aware of this, that these Jews who came behind Paul were just not mature. Again, they had just gotten saved and they were, they were mixing old traditions and things that the Bible says that they didn't have to do anymore because Jesus paid that price. And they, what they were doing was adding requirements to salvation. That if you hear anybody ever teach anything other, there's anything else other than you believe Jesus, who he is, what he said he was going to do, and that he paid for your sins. If, if anybody else tells you, well, you need to do this, this, and this, and then you're saved, be concerned. Because it's wrong. And that's what the Jews were doing. The Jews were coming in, and if you know Jewish tradition, they, the way they, the men dedicated themselves to God was they, they did it through circumcision. But can you guys imagine, I know it's a little graphic and probably uncomfortable to talk about, but can you guys imagine if next week for step one, we say, you're saved, but not quite yet. We got one more thing all the guys need to do. Right? I would be right, I'd be, I'm, I'm out. I wouldn't, I mean, but yet we do that a lot with other stuff. We tell people, hey, you can come get saved before you do. Get your life right. Get everything cleaned up. You can't cuss, don't smoke, don't drink. You know, you got to smell good, look good before you come to church. Baloney. That's not in the Bible. God says, hey, bring all your stuff and we'll deal with the stuff. But all you got to do is come. So they were adding, adding these things to, to, to salvation. Um, and they even describe it in Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Go to Acts 15, verse 1. You can skip ahead. Um, it says that men from Judea arrived, and they began to teach the believers, hey, you're not saved unless you do what Moses' law said. And Paul was telling them, hey, this is not, what, not right. Paul says, watch out for these gospels. And he talks about these two gospels. And just so you can kind of wrap your brain around a label, here's what they really are. The first one is rules and religion. This is what the, what the Jews were teaching. Because they were used to following the law. 
and they had to go every year and go to make a sacrifice and atone for their sin. And they had the, it was a religion. Somebody asked me the other day, well, don't you like religion? And my answer to that is, no, I don't. The, in, the, in the New Testament, there's this group called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they, they knew the whole word, but they lived by the law, and they had no real relationship with God, which is the true gospel is what Paul is talking about, that the true gospel is grace and relationship. Grace is God gives you what you didn't deserve, what we celebrated last week in Easter, and the relationship is he did that because he wants nothing more than just to have a relationship with you, to be able to talk to you, to be able... Yes, you get to go to heaven. Yes, you get all the benefits of God, but you get to have a relationship. It's not rule-based. It's why you're, I mean, again, go back to parenting. Your kids don't love you because there's a rule that says you've got to love mama. They love you because you are what? Mama. They love you because you are family. They have that relationship. There's no rule that says you have to do that. That's what God is after with us, and we make it more complicated than it really has to be. But see, Paul's warning, hey, even with, with grace, it's human nature. It's built in all of us to try to figure this out ourselves, to do it ourselves. And it's easy to turn to this other gospel. As a matter of fact, I truly believe this. A lot of us say, well, I just don't like church because it, it's all about rules and, and I, it just takes away my freedom. I can't do what I want to. I say, no, it's just the opposite. I said, the Bible says it gives me freedom to do everything God's laid out in front of me. And he adds the added bonus of saying, hey, don't do this. Hey, stay away from this stuff to protect us. It's, it's he gives us guidance and we don't have to live uh, waiting on the hand of God just to smack us down. But Paul really, what we're going to pull today, Paul's really trying to get us to answer, to help us answer a question. And it's this question here. It's what is my approach to God? What, how, do I, how do I get to God and how do I serve him? That's the basics of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to figure out today. How do, how do I get, if it's not about rules, if I, I don't want to stay, I want to stay away from this other gospel, that's not the gospel, how do I do it? Well, you need to know this first. The gospel, this other gospel wasn't new. It wasn't something new that the, that, uh, was trying to work its way in. It's something that the devil has been doing since day one. And I'm going to show you in the Bible today, and this is where we're going to hang out. We're going to kind of go from Galatians to another spot, and we're going to hang there for the next little bit because I want, you to, I want you to see how this is nothing new. And then I'm going to give you some practical things we can do to, to look at the real gospel and, and stay away from um, the different gospel. There's this, this idea that man can do something or that man can be like God, that we all deal with. We may not call it that, but we all deal with it. We're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2. This is the story of the garden, and the Bible says that God had planted a garden in the east called Eden, and there he put man he had formed. In verse 9, the Lord God made all kinds of, and I stopped, I cut the verse off here, because I want you to see this. The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground. So you keep in mind, is there any tree known to man today is growing in this garden. All the fruit you want, anything you want is growing in the garden. Look at the next part of the verse. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. So they were good to look at, they were good to eat, 
And in the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. You see, what really, what really is happening here? You hear the story that the, the devil comes and he tries to, he, he tries to entice Eve and Eve takes by the apple and then it, or the, whatever the fruit was, and he and she gives it to Adam and and man is now separate from God because they disobeyed. But I wanted to sh- show you this because I think this is key and it, maybe this may be a new perspective for you if you've maybe you've been serving God for a long time. But I want to offer this to you. See, Adam and Eve chose to chose sin. A lot of people believe this that Adam and Eve chose sin and to walk away from God. So they, they willfully chose, hey, I'm going to sin, and I'm going to turn in my back and walk away from God. See, I don't, that's how sin entered the earth, but I think what they did is they chose to try their own way. And in doing so, sinned and walked away from God. See, I don't, Eve, in her, her mind, they were trying to just be like God because the, the devil tells her, hey, if you do this, I'll take care of you. I can, you can become godly. What's my, what's my approach to God? And look what the Bible says, and we'll go on to Genesis 2, 16 and 17. It says, And the Lord commanded the man, You are free from eat from any tree in the garden, but don't eat from that one tree. For when you do, you, you will certainly die. See, what was he protecting us from? He was protecting us from the sin and things that were coming, and he was telling, Hey, just... Everything else you want, you can have. But what the devil then turned that around to and came and said to Eve, and says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 3, and the devil today is still trying to convince you that you don't need God. What eating the tree was saying was, she was saying, ooh, if I can have the knowledge of good and evil, I really won't need God. I can be close to him, but I won't have to depend on him. So it's, you're saying, I don't need a savior. I don't need somebody to get me out of this mess. And that's the crooks of the, of the other gospel. But in 3.1 it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals. And he said to the woman, and this is what, any time in your life you begin to read the word, and if you're reading with us in the, your uh, daily reading and reading through the Bible in the year, the devil will come to you and ask you, when you start trying to live what God's word says, he'll ask you, did God really say, did he really say you have to be married? Did he really say, don't murder? Isn't it okay to maybe equal the, you know, ignite justice? And, isn't that okay? And the devil begins to question God. He said, did God really say you must not eat from any garden in the tree? And look what, the, look what Eve says back to him. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from any, meat, eat fruit from the trees in the garden. That's not, what did God actually say? He said, you can have all of them, just not that one. So she said, she goes, but God did say you must not eat the fruit from that one tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. Did he say you couldn't touch it? No, he said, don't eat from it. So the devil's already got her turned around, already trying to figure out, wait, wait a minute, I don't know how this is going to work. And then he questions God again in verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. He He's pulling on her. I want you to pay attention to this. The devil is still doing this today. He appeals to her to help her be godly, not sinful. Do you see that? 
A lot of us will, will we, if we're not careful, we don't make this, let me say it this way. We don't wake up in the morning going, hmm, ah, I think I'm going to sin like a, you know what, today. Let's just, oh, let's, let's go sin. Come on, sin. We just do it because that's what our flesh takes us to. That's what our habits take us to. Most of us, if I think we're honest, who, who are saved, do get up and go, I'd like to do good today. I'd like to follow God today. I'd like to make God happy. I'd like to make, um, do, take my one step today. And I think Eve was the same way. The devil can just bait and switch, though, and he comes after you with this. He comes after our desire to be godly. And he was, that's why, how he got Eve. And Paul's saying, listen, you can be godly, but you can't do it on your own. You can't say, I don't need God. If you look in Genesis 3, 5 again, the devil's back at him. He says, for God knows when you eat it. When you eat that, that fruit you're not supposed to, you'll be like him. Now, I truly believe Eve didn't go sin. She went, oh, wow, really? God said I had to just not do this, but you're telling me if I eat it, it'll be okay, and I'll, I'll be like God, and God and I can hang out. Totally, just, totally forgetting what God says. No, when you, when you eat it, you're going to die, and dying means complete separation from me. And if you read the story, when, she, when they eat it, the Bible tells us in the next verse, go to verse 6 here, when the woman saw the fruit was good and pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some, she ate it, and she gave some to her husband. Who was with her? He ate it too. Now they're both in the same boat in verse 7. Then the eyes of them were both open, and they both realized something. And we read it as they were naked, and they physically were. But what did they suddenly see? They suddenly saw all what God was trying to shield them from. Yes, they saw each other, and I think, I mean, there's all kinds of, the Bible's funny if you really think about it, you really read it, about Adam and Eve standing there together, completely naked, been naked for however long they've been alive, and then suddenly they go, though, wow, we're, we're, we're naked. But see, they weren't really seeing the, the physical, they were seeing, oh, we need to cover, I need to hide this from God. So what did they spend the next time doing? The Bible says they went and hid, and they, that's where the whole pictures of Adam and Eve with the, the leaves and strategic areas, you know, and we're still doing today what they did then. The devil's still telling us, follow me and I'll get you there. And once their eyes were open, see, we've been trying to hide and fix it ever since then. We're trying to do exactly what Adam and Eve did. Oh, wait, I messed up today. God, I hope God didn't see that. Um, let, me, let me shield it from God. God didn't see it. Let me go to church, smile. Yes, who am I? God, you love me. You're now here. Woo, saying, hey, the preacher said cheer. Yay, cheer, yeah. And in our minds, if I don't think about it, if I don't say anything about it, then God can't see it. He can't see my nakedness, my flaws, my mess. I've said for years, and I, I wish there was a way in premarital counseling that you could take the man and the woman, and just, I'm not getting in the morality of, that for a second, but take it and, and show them, hey, this is Melanie, this is Clint, and this is when he's 50. This is what you're going to get. Yep. Doesn't look like he did when he was 23 and y'all met, right? You know, hey, Melanie, this, Clint, this is what Melanie's going to look like. She's going to look just like she did when, when the day I married her. 
<laughs> right? But can you imagine going, what, that now, that 50, you know, 23, we're 23 years. Well, I'll use us as a like, Yeah, I don't think I want that deal. What is it doing? It's exposing us. And we've been trying ever since then, ever since Adam and Eve, to hide. To, to um, I don't know, I had a friend that in high school, um, he insisted on, he didn't even like it, but he, he, he smoked, he was one of the guys that smoked to be cool. <laughs> 